Welcome to the New Point Community Church Podcast. This message is part of our series, Life is Complicated, We Can Help. We want to thank you for joining us, and we hope you continue to realize and reach your full potential in Jesus Christ. I want to welcome everyone who's joining us today, whether you're at one of our physical campuses or maybe joining us online. Either way, we want you to know for sure that here at New Point, here's what we believe. We believe that what God did in the past is greater than what you have done in your past. And that is incredible, unbelievable news. You say, why do you believe that? Well, John tells us in John 3, 16, you might be familiar with this verse. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have what? Everlasting life, eternal life. And this is just incredible. This this speaks hope to you and me that our heavenly father, wants to have a relationship with you and me. And it doesn't matter what you've done in your past, it doesn't matter what I've done in my past, that he loves you and I that much, that he's a God of love. Now, you've heard the saying, okay, no one is above the law, right? I mean, we've heard that a lot. We hear that all throughout United States. And you'll hear that phrase over and over again, no one is above the law. And the reason why is because it's one of the bedrock principles established in our country. And yet for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, our God gave his law as a means to establish a holy standard for you and me, a way of life, a godly way of living. However, God would completely change the perspective of what the law looks like when he sent his one and only son into the world. For God so loved the world that he what? He gave his son. And he was about to do something brand new. And so Jesus entered into the world and he shook everyone's paradigm on what God's law really was intended for. And people would say things like this about him because it disturbed them that he ate and he drank with sinners. Matter of fact, they even accused him of being a lawbreaker. So much that people genuinely believed that he came really to do away with the law, to destroy the law. But Jesus clarified their confusion when he said this. He said, do not think that I've come to destroy the law or the prophets, I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Wow. Now, there is about something to happen on the scene that literally would change everyone. They're all their thinking that they've had up to that point. Because Jesus is not saying that the law was wrong. He's saying that he came to complete it. He came to fulfill it. And the word fulfill there means to bring to a designated end that Jesus didn't come to abolish the law or destroy the law or to undermine the credibility of the law. He came to bring it to a designated end, to complete it, really to make it obsolete. Now, let me explain it to you this way. Let's say that you had an overwhelming debt. You can handle it one or two ways. One way is that you could just file for bankruptcy. 
and in filing for bankruptcy, what happens is your obligation would not be fulfilled, but it would be removed. But if somebody heard about your debt and they decided to pay it off, okay, then what happens is they would fulfill that debt and that burden would be lifted. And it would not only be fulfilled, but it would be removed from you. And that's what Jesus did here. Jesus did that with the law. He came to fulfill the law, not to remove it, but to fulfill the law, to complete it so that you and I could live above the law. Now, here's what I mean by that, okay? Just as you don't abolish a home by completing the construction, just as you don't abolish a flight plan by landing the plan, just as you don't abolish homework by completing the homeworks assignment, Jesus did not come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill the law. And fulfilling it, he made it complete. He satisfied. And so obsolete doesn't mean bad. Obsolete means that something new Something better is coming along. And that's what it means when he said, I've come to fulfill the law, not to destroy the law. And Jesus is showing us here that that he has something bigger in mind, bigger than what you think, bigger than what I think. He was showing that he had a, a greater purpose in mind than what people had been thinking. And so when we think big, Jesus is still thinking bigger and bigger and bigger. And so he was fulfilling the law. And that's a good thing. Now, Jesus continues in Matthew, and he he lets it be known that, that he's fulfilling the law, but he's turning up the volume and the intensity of what God expects of you and me. Look at what he says here. He says, you have heard it said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. What's he saying here? He is saying, hey, you know what? I I know that some of you people have never, ever killed anybody. You've never murdered anybody. You haven't murdered your brother, your sister, or anyone. But I'm turning up the volume. I'm raising the bar. I'm telling you that if you're angry with your brother or sister, you will be brought into judgment. That pierced through everyone's heart. That spoke to everyone. That bothered everyone. And then he went on to say these words. He said, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. Wow. This had to just shake them to their core. You've got to be kidding me. He says, first, Go and be reconciled to them and then come and offer your gift. You see, here's what we need to understand. Most Jews would visit the temple once or twice a year and the lines were long and I'm sure the sun was hot. I'm sure the kids could be fussy and you had to deal with your donkeys and and, and all of that stuff. And by the way, the, the, the disciples and Jesus lived in Galilee and so they were basically a three day journey away. And they're thinking, you're telling me that if I'm in line and I think, you know what? My brother has something against me. I should get out of line and go back and make it right with them? Absolutely. Absolutely. 
See, what, what, what happens is that they're, they're now not just thinking that Jesus was a blasphemer. They're thinking that, you know what, you're, you're man, you're unpractical. You're impractical. You, you, you just don't get it. How can you ask us to do this? Because there was no way in Hades that somebody was going to give up their position in line. Just think of being at maybe Cedar Point and you had to give up your line and you've already been there for three hours. You wouldn't want to do that. And so what happens is he's saying, if you have something against your brother, you need to get out of your line, you need to go make it right. And you need to go to the offended party, to your brother or sister. And you need to be able to be reconciled with them. And this blew their mind because was he implying that it was more important to be right with my brother or sister than it was to be right with God? Was it more important to be right horizontally than it would be vertically? Did he really mean that? Surely not. But that's what Jesus said. And that's what he meant. You see, this was new. And he didn't stop there. Look at what else he said. He said, you have heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. What is Jesus doing here? He is using the law as it was intended to be used. You say, I thought the, the law was obsolete. It is to our salvation. There's nothing that you can do to earn your way to God. It's a free gift. And then you might say, well, then what is the purpose of the law? Jesus came to fulfill the law, okay, not to do away with it. And so you might say, well, Dwight, help me understand what the law is all about. Well, let me give you three pictures. The first thing is it's a mirror. It's a mirror. God's law serves to reveal to us how imperfect you and I are. You see, you listen, I've never murdered anybody, but I've been angry with people. Okay, I, I've never committed adultery per se, but maybe I've looked at a woman in a lustful way. And what he is saying is, Dwight, when you, when you look at yourself in the mirror, I'm looking at your heart and you need a savior. You can never be good enough to be able to make that right. And so the law is a, a mirror, but, but it's more than that. It's, it's a compass. And a compass is, is not a checklist. It serves as a guide. Because it's God's law, it can never be an attainable checklist. I can't say, check the box, check the box, check the box. I'm good here, I'm good here, I'm good here. So guess what? I'm good in God's sight. No, it's a compass. It's to guide you and I to realize that, you know what? I need a Savior. I need Jesus in my life. And then it's also God's holiness. God's intention for the law is not only a mirror and a compass, but God's holiness. Think how incredible, amazing the power of God is. Think how incredible, amazing his righteousness is. He is holy. He is righteous. Have you ever imagined what the world would be like if there was no evil, if there was no sin, if there was no depraved man or woman? It was just God's holiness you see, what happened here was this, that God's people were so enamored with the law that they wanted to fulfill the law, and yet God had something bigger. He had something bigger in mind. God was doing something new. He was working on developing something above 
the law in his people. Something that couldn't be quantified, something that couldn't be measured, something that couldn't be outdone. God was going to reveal his plan, something new, if you will, a weapon that would transform the world forever and ever, something that the law was powerless to do. And this weapon that he was going to announce and demonstrate and show would always be his love. His love was going to shake the foundations of nations and literally of the world. You see, the weapon of love couldn't be contained. It couldn't be stopped. It couldn't even be slowed down. Matter of fact, when when people would try to end it or fight against it or try to stop it, it just grew more and more and more and more. And as John 3.16 said, for God so loved the world, Jesus came to show us God's love and that it's above the law. I want you to look at this story with me. Luke records it. It's another encounter that Jesus had, and he was blowing their minds. He was blowing their their paradigms. And, And here's the story. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus because they were hearing these things, and they couldn't believe it. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, and with all of your soul, and with all of your strength, and with all of your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Wow. So Jesus tells him this incredible truth. And Matthew adds something that Luke doesn't have. And he said this, he said, all of the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. What two commands? To love God with all of your heart, soul, and mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, here's what we need to understand. You know, for a first century Jew, okay, what happens is they would refer to the scriptures as the law and the prophets. And according to Jesus, their entire Bible, so to speak, could be summarized by those two commands. Love God with all of your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Because they would say, you know, really to love God would be to obey his commands. And yet Jesus is suggesting something even more above that. And he is saying, not only to love God and obey him, but to love your neighbor. And his point was unmistakably clear. And that was this, that God loved you and God loves me. And so he calls you and I to love one another and to be able to demonstrate this for our neighbors. And it was done horizontal, not just vertical. And Jesus is saying this, what it's all about is love. What it's all about is loving God and loving others. And you can't love God and not love others. But look at this guy's response, okay, as Jesus was was exchanging with him. But he wanted, this is the expert in the law, but he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? He's basically saying, give me some concrete evidence that I can say, I checked the box. Oh yeah, I've done that. And so what happens is Jesus 
understood what he was going after. You see, what happens is for a Jew in that day, their neighbor was another Jew. And if they loved another Jew, that was loving their neighbor. And when they loved another Jew, it was basically loving themselves because they were all Jews. They were descendants of Abraham. And so loving your neighbor was another code for loving other Jews. But Jesus takes a completely different response here. And he tells him a story when he asks, who is my neighbor? And he tells him the story that maybe you're familiar with. It's called the Good Samaritan. And Jesus basically says that there was a man who went from Jerusalem down to Jericho and that robbers got him and stripped him of his clothing and beat him up and took everything that he had. And there was a priest that came along and saw this man there, and yet he went on. And then there was a Levite who came and saw the same man, and yet he bypassed. But then there was a good Samaritan, and you need to understand that when he said the word Samaritan, it just made them cringe. He said, but there was a Samaritan who saw him and had compassion on him, and he went to him, and he treated him and put bandages on him, put him on his donkey, took him to an inn, and went to the innkeeper and said, here's money, take care of him, and if the cost overruns, I'll be back, and I will cover all of the expense. And then Jesus asked this question, which rocked their world. Here's what he said. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of the robber? Wow. There was silence, had to be silence. And yet Luke records, the expert in the law replied. He couldn't even say the word Samaritan, okay? He said, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Did you notice what Jesus did there? The expert in law said, who is my neighbor? And Jesus responded, who was the neighbor? He was flipping it around. He was saying, it's not a checklist. It's a lifestyle. You see, what happens is you and I cannot say that we love God if we don't love and care for other people. You see, the, the, the great commandment is summed up in this right here. God and others. You serve God by serving others. That's how you serve God. You, you, you don't necessarily serve God by, by coming to a, a service or to a building. No, you serve God by serving others. And, and here's the other truth here. You love God by loving others. How well do you love God? I have to ask myself, how well do I love people? How, love do I, how well do I love my wife? How well do I love my spouse? How well do I love my kids? How well do I love my coworkers? You see, Jesus would continue to drive this point home that he was doing something new, that he came to fulfill the law, not to destroy the law, but to fulfill the law, to bring it to a designated end. And so as he was wrapping up his time here on earth and he was headed towards the cross, he had one last conversation with the disciples. And after he washed their feet, after they had what you and I would know as the Lord's Supper, he says these powerful words. So I give you now a new command. 
love each other. And I'm sure they probably said, you know what, we've heard this before. But then he rocked their world and he said this. He said, just as much as I have loved you. Now here's what you need to understand. He hasn't gone to the cross yet. He was telling them the way in which I interacted with you, the way in which I related to you, the way in which I demonstrated love to you over the past three years, that's how you are now called to love one another. You see, Jesus made love a verb, and then he used the imperative form for the verb. And so it was a command. It was not a suggestion. He was not saying this might be a good idea to improve your marriage or to improve your work relationship. No, it was an imperative verb. He was giving a command. So what he was saying to them was this, you know what? Love one another. Go over there and love that guy. Quit arguing with him. Maybe if you would go to Jesus for counseling, you would start to to tell him your problems, and you know what he would say? Love her as I've loved you. Love him as I've loved you. Now go home and do that. You see, Jesus wasn't commanding them to feel something. He was commanding them to do something. So loving one another wasn't really new as it turned out. Jesus wasn't really through, though. He kept on going over and over and over. And he was saying, you know what? I'm not through with this yet. Love one another, but love one another as I have loved you. And what came about was unthinkable. It was incredible. Guess what they did? They turned their world upside down. They turned their world upside down. And so my question for you, my question for me, and all of us who call New Point their home, what would happen if we moved that to the top of our agenda? If we said, hey, you know what? I, I, I'm gonna live above the law. I'm gonna live above the checklist. Just maybe, just maybe it would change our world. You see, what happened is it made their message irresistible, irresistible. It made it contagious. You see, Jesus went on to say this. He says, for when you demonstrate the same love I have for you by loving one another, everyone will know that you are my true what? My true followers. Not my fans. My true followers. And that was new. Doing for someone what one hoped would do for them in return was the old way. It was the old covenant. This was a whole new kind of love that you're not looking to do unto others as they have done unto you. You're looking to do unto others as your heavenly Father has done unto you. And this was a whole different type of love. This was a love that was anchored in a person, and his name is Jesus. And it made it extraordinarily personal. You see, Jesus, didn't, Jesus did not issue this new command as an addition to all the other commands. No, you know what he said? This is replacing everything. This is replacing all of the laws and all of the prophets. This is replacing the Big Ten, okay? This replaces everything. That you love one another just as I have loved you. It's a brand new kind of love. 
and the command would be the govern ethic that would lead the church and would cause the church to turn their world upside down. You see, what happens is this. Jesus was not so much concerned in what they believed in. He was more concerned in what they did. And they were to love as he loved. You see, a fan believes something. A follower does something. Followers don't begin or end with the question, what does the Bible say? That's what a fan does. You know what followers do? They're above that. You know what they do? They say, what does God's love require me to do? You see, the behavioral standard for a follower is very, very, very straightforward. It's not for their good. It's for the other person's good. And Jesus' new standard, all-encompassing, inescapable, simple command was this, to do unto others as your Father has done unto you. And what has he done for you and me? He's done his very, very best. He has your highest concern and my highest concern at the top of the list. And we, in turn, are now called to do what is best for other people. Now, how do you know what is best? How do you move above the law and love with this another kind of love? Well, what happens is we have to realize, okay, that God is love. John tells us that. John tells us that, that, that God is love, that all source of love comes from him. And so what he wants us to do is he wants us to ask the question, what does love require of me? And so when in doubt, that's the question that we need to ask. And so let me give you something here as, as we wrap up, okay? What does love require of us? First of all, don't do anything that will harm you. Don't do anything that will harm you because we think that love is soft. It's not. Love means I'm not gonna do anything that would harm me, okay? Secondly, don't do anything that will harm anyone else. And then third, don't be mastered by anything. Don't be mastered by anything. And so what does love require of me? That I won't do anything that would harm me. I won't do anything that will harm other people. And I will not be mastered by anything. You see, Jesus said this 2,000 years ago. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not be able to stand against it. See, Jesus was not only introducing a new way of relating to people, he was introducing a new movement. And he says, what will characterize this new movement? It will be love. This new movement, ecclesia, my assembly, my group of people, will be characterized by how they love other people. And so, today... Are you a fan or are you a follower? Are, are, you, are, are you a fan that, that has a checklist or are you a follower who says, hey, you know what? I wanna love other people the way in which God has loved me. Why? Because God is love. God is love. And Paul delivered a similar message to the church in Corinth. And here's what he said. He said, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself 
through love. That's the only thing that counts. Only thing that counts. Fans focus on rules because it's something that we can control, at least in our mind. But followers, guess what? They focus on relationships. They focus on loving one another as God has loved them, which is uncomfortable and demanding. Imagine with me, listen to me, imagine with me if everyone who named the name of Christ and attends New Point would say, hey, you know what? I'm gonna be above the law. It might be legal, it might be moral, but you know what? It's not loving. And I'm gonna choose to love the people in my life as God has loved me. And that's going to be my cry. That's going to be my purpose. Could it be that if you and I would choose that, it would become irresistible? It would become contagious? It would change our marriage? It would change our workplace? It would change the world? You see, it happened 2,000 years ago, and I believe that it can happen today. And so I challenge all of us, let's not be fans and have a checklist. Let's be above that. Let's be followers and love as Jesus Christ has loved you and me. Let's pray. So Father, we thank you today for your love for us. We thank you that you came into this world and you demonstrated to us what it really means to love one another. God, there's no way possible that we could do that for one another unless we experience your love in the deepest part of our being, our heart. And so today, no matter where we're at on our spiritual journey, it may be that we need to invite you into our life to forgive us of our sins and to fill us with your love. If so, I pray, God, all throughout the people who are listening today that we would make that decision. For others of us, we're a fan. We got our checklist. But to love him or her, come on. I don't know if I can. I don't know if I want to. May today we realize that if we're really going to follow you, we will love other people as you have loved us. And if we do that, God, we will see you do something in our day that hasn't happened for a long, long time. So we love you and we thank you. and We pray all of this in the name of Jesus, amen. If you wanna to talk to someone about a decision you've made or let us know how God's moving through this series, visit newpoint.org forward slash contact. Be sure to stay connected with us throughout the week on social media, download our app, subscribe to our weekly podcasts through the App Store or Google Play, or catch us on Roku or Apple TV. Thanks for listening to today's message, and we hope you continue to realize and reach your full potential in Jesus Christ.